Daniel chapter 1, in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 1. He's going to be our focus tonight, and uh, for those of you that, uh, that haven't, hasn't been here, uh, we've been in a series concerning heroes and heroes of the faith in the Scripture. And then we've been talking a little bit about where we are today and how we can become a hero of the faith as well. And what we sometimes we don't uh, we 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 don't understand, or even if we understand it, we we sort of push it aside sometimes. Just to share, and is these guys that we talk about, David and Daniel, and some of these others that the Scripture talks about, we we place them place them upon a pedestal at times, and and that's rightfully so. We can do that. But what we need to remember is they were just men, just like you and I. They were women, just like us, and so they made mistakes. And they had good days and they had bad days, just like us. God used them, though, and He used them in a mighty way because of their openness to receive what God wanted to give them. And that's what we're talking about concerning you and I today in 2018, how you and I can become a man or a woman of faith in the day and time that we live in. This is a very familiar familiar story to you, but we want to use Daniel as our, as our thought concerning concerning heroes. I want to read uh, the, the, some, of the, some of the scripture here in, in Daniel chapter 1. I, don't, I may skip around a little bit, Scott, so you may, I may mess you up a little bit. But let's start in verse, in verse number 1. The third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Let's skip on down to verse number four. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank in three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hanathan, uh, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, Hananiah, I think, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel, this is the scripture I want you to get tonight, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Everybody say he purposed. It was on purpose that he'd done this. It wasn't something by happenstance. It wasn't something that he just thought, well, this would be a cool thing to do. On purpose, he decided, this is what I'm going to do. Now, this is not my message tonight, but I can stop right here and preach a little bit concerning you and I today as God's people. There are moments in our life we have to decide whether or not we're going to serve God. We have to purpose in our, in our life that we are going to serve God no matter what. I've really been preaching that to you for the last several weeks, if you hadn't noticed that. We've got to decide, Brother Joe, that we've got to hold on to him. We've got a purpose in our heart that this is the direction that we want to go. We've got a purpose in our heart. This is the truth that we know is the truth. Because you already know this. This is not something that I'm telling you that you don't know. If you're not careful, we'll be deceived in these last days. We'll be deceived in these last days. There's a lot of things that sounds good, even in the church. 
That's not biblical. Everybody agree with me? And so even what I tell you, don't listen to everything that I say. Back it up with the Word of God. And if you can back it up with the Word of God, we'll be, we'll be okay with that. So Daniel purposed in his heart. Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief and the eunuchs. The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear, my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. In other words, the guy said, look, if you don't eat and you don't look like you've eaten, then the king will get upset with me and he's going to behead me. He gonna, he, I'm not doing my job, in other words. And Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel and, and, the, and the three Hebrew children, please test your servants for 10 days, he said, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Let us, then let, us, uh, let our appearance be an, uh, uh, examined before you and the appearance of young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. And so he consented with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. This is where we get a lot of times when we talk about in, in, the, in the January about the Daniel fast. This is, this is this area of scripture that we sort of, we sort of pull from when we talk about this. At the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter uh, in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Skip on down to verse number 21, or actually verse number 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the music, magi magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Like I said, we're looking at Daniel tonight. We want to look at Daniel's purpose. What was his purpose? And I want, us, I want us to talk a little bit for the time we have left concerning the purity of Daniel and even the promotion that we see in this, in this chapter 1. Daniel, and, and, and you know the story here, and the three Hebrew children, they were, they were not having a good day. How many's ever had a bad day? How many's ever had a good day? So we understand the difference between good days and bad days. We get that because every one of us go through those moments each and every day. I'm not going to ask you today, how was today? Was it a good day or a bad day? We'll just let that rest where it is. But, but we all understand a good day and a bad day. They were having a bad day. Matter of fact, and we just, we just said this, everybody has a bad day. I was reading the other day this little funny thing. It says three weeks after her wedding day, Joanna called the pastor and she was hysterical. This was three weeks after her wedding day. She was crying and she was all bent out of shape, Brother Adam. And she said, Pastor, Pastor John and I had our first fight together. It was awful. She said, what am I going to do? Pastor, he was on the phone and he leaned back in his chair and shaking his head. He said, I want you to calm down first, Joanna. This isn't nearly as bad as you think it is. Every marriage goes through a first fight. It's a natural thing. And Joanna, when she replied, I understand that, I know, but what am I supposed to do with the body? He was having a bad day. <laughs> she was having a bad day. I read to you for the last several weeks in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, when the Bible says, but the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. Now, I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer 
with a hand raised or anything like that, I want you to think about it. I've done this every week. How many of you are a child of God? How many of you trust in God? How many of you consider yourself a, a child or children of the Lord? Because according to the scripture, the people who know their God will do great exploits simply because of the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. When you look in Daniel chapter 1 and verse and, and chapter 2, and then you go over here in chapter 3, you'll, you'll see the, the, the Bible begins to talk about this image that the king set up, that everybody was supposed to bow before the image, right? I mean, he had some folks and some leaders in the land that day, and they thought, hey, king, it'd be a cool thing if you make this golden image, and every time the horn sounds, and every time we call the attention, and every time we get people's attention, they'll bow before this golden image, and they'll be able to worship you. They'll be able to worship you instead of whatever God that they're worshiping. And they sort of thought that was a cool thing, of paying honor and paying homage and just really worshiping all, everybody except for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'll just use their name because I can't pronounce really uh, their, their given names. That's how we know them. Except for these four guys. And, and you know the story. The, the horn blasted and everybody got their attention and everybody was, was bowing except for these three Hebrew children and Daniel, who the Bible said prayed three times a day and morning, noon, and night to his God every day. He didn't, he didn't miss a day. And word got back to the king. There's always a tattletale in the bunch, right? Word got back to the king and said, King, did you not decree that this was supposed to take place? And yes, it's supposed to take place. And, and you know the story of, of everything and how it took place. These, this, this three Hebrew boys who, who knew God, they were strong. They were young guys, but they were strong in their faith. And, and, and really, when you look at it, they, they begin to have some excellent adventures in their relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying that their adventures, Brother Joe, was always a good adventure because I don't know, I don't know how you think, but I don't think uh, it's a great adventure to be thrown into a fiery furnace that's been heated up seven times hotter. That wouldn't be a great adventure. But when we understand the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey said, that would be a great adventure to understand and go through what these guys went through. And here they are. Here's, here's three heroes of the faith, if you will, who got into trouble, understand, for doing what was right, who got into trouble for doing what was right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. King got mad. In those days, you, don't, you didn't need to make the king mad at you. In those days, it was a bad thing to make the king mad. You can make your husband mad. You can make your wife mad. You might even make your children mad, but don't make the king mad. Because the king ain't going to stand for it if you're not listening to what the king has to say. Something is going to be done. I mean, there's some repercussion if you make the king mad. And you know the story. He got mad. And he told those guys, he said, heat up the furnace seven times hotter. Bind them up. The guys that even threw them into the furnace. The Bible said they what? They died. They perished. They fell backwards because of the heat of the furnace. And here these three guys are in this fiery furnace. The king commands this heat to be, to be, uh, to be hotter than normal, in other words. Now, there's a lot of preaching ground here, and I'm not trying to preach. I want to teach uh, a little bit tonight, but really, sometimes, you know what I'm talking about. We think sometimes that when we're in the heat of the battle, and really when we're in the middle of the heat of the battle, it feels like the heat is, 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 is a little hotter, right? You ever been there? 
I, I don't know why that is, but it seems like when I'm in the middle of the battle, the heat is turned up. My stress level goes up. My anxiety level goes up. My mind will not stop. It just always is thinking all the time. And it will not shut down, be it day or be it night. It just, it just won't shut down because you're in the middle of the battle. You're in the, you're in the middle of this thing. There's moments and, and, and I, and there's too many to count, but I, I don't like. And I'm just being honest with you. That's okay. Let me just be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to call me in the middle of the night. But there's moments that I get calls in the middle of the night that I don't like what I hear on the other end of the phone. And it causes you to feel like you're in the heat of the battle. And you need to get up and you need to begin to pray and because of the situation or the family situation or whatever the case may be. And, and it causes, it causes all of that to arise within you. And so the, the, the fire, if you will, is, is seven times hotter. And so, how in the world did they get to this place to begin with? And so to understand that, and some of you already know the story, but you got to go a little bit back uh, in, in the story in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. The, uh, as I told you a while ago, they set up the golden statue. They set up this golden statue and they told people, I want you to bow. They told people, I want you to begin to worship me. I, I want you to begin to, to, to lay aside everything that you're doing. Just stop your work, stop playtime, stop everything that's going on. And when that, when this happens, I want you to bow down before. And everybody did with exception of these, of these guys. When you look in verse 16 and 18, the Bible says, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Now, as I said, somebody told on these guys. And so they went before the king. Let's, matter of fact, let's back up to verse number 14. In, in, in chapter 3. Look at verse number 14 with me in chapter 3. The Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, is it true? In other words, is this true, guys? I mean, the king already knew who these guys was. We, we established already in chapter 1 that these guys were, they were good looking guys. They were well versed in, in knowledge. They were smart guys. They, they had made it up to serve at the king's table and all of these things. The, the king knew these guys. And so the king said, look, is, is, is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? And this is the king. It, the devil, it, the devil's just like this, isn't it? He, he'll always come back and say, now, okay, I, didn't, I know you didn't do it this time, but are you ready now to listen to what I'm trying to say? And this is what the king said. Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute and harp, lair and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you'll fall down and worship the image which I made. Good, he said. If you'll do that, hey, that's good. Let me give you another chance, in other words. You're standing here before me, and I, maybe, maybe, maybe I misunderstood these guys that come and tattled on you. Maybe, maybe I just misunderstood what they was trying to say. So I'm going to give you another opportunity. When you hear the music, you'll bow before me. And if you do that, everything is going to be good. But if you do not worship, you'll be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And, and who is the God who will deliver you? In my hands. Verse 16, what I started to read a few minutes ago. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able. Everybody say he's able. To deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But, verse 18, but, if not, then let it be known to you, O king, that if he doesn't even if he doesn't even deliver us, that we do not serve your gods, 
nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, we read that, and it's easy to read that statement right there, but I want you to understand what was at stake. They understood what was fixing to take place. Now, if you can, in your mind's eye, let's just say we got a fiery furnace up here on the stage, and it's heated up, Matt, seven times hotter. And I was to pick three of you guys and say, look, if you don't bow before that monitor right there, it's a golden monitor, it's a worshipful thing here. If you don't bow before that gold, that golden monitor, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Now, I know I'm sort of cutting up a little bit tonight, but think about it. They understood, Brother Adam, what was at stake. They understood what was at stake. And they answered the king, which was, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm using the wrong word here. They wasn't trying to be sassy or, or, uh, or just a, a smart aleck or anything like that, but they said, King, listen to me. We don't have any reason to answer you on this matter. In other words, my mind's made up. Our mind is made up. So you can play your songs all you want to. You can, you can let the symphony take off all they want to. You can play the horn and you can beat the drums and you do whatever you want to do, but our mind is made up on this thing. Because the God that we serve, He is able. I want you to notice, that's what they said first. He's able to deliver us. But if He chooses not to, then understand, King, we don't worship your God still. We're not going to bow before. They knew what was at stake. They, they understood this. Look down with me in verse 22. Actually, let's back up to verse number 21, chapter 3. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers their turbans and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding, was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished when he rose in haste and spoke, and saying to his counselors, and he asked the question, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. In other words, yeah, we did. That's We, we threw three guys in. King Nebuchadnezzar said, look, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, the cool thing for me is these, these young men... They, they didn't know if God was going to save them, Brother Paul. They, they didn't have a clue. They, was, they knew God could. They had already, at their young age, they had already developed a relationship with the Lord that, that they had settled such net in their mind. Doesn't matter. It's, it's almost, I think about that and I think what the Apostle Paul said, he said, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. His mind was made up, in other words. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I mean, his head was on the chopping block. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith, he said. He said, I know there's a crown of life waiting for me. And what I'm, what I'm suggesting for us tonight is, is you and I, as, as God's people, as, as men and women and heroes of the faith, we must establish in our heart that, Brother Adam, no matter what happens, Sometimes we get so burdened and so stressed out with, with the world and the economy and all the things that's going on. And I understand we've got some, some bad stuff that's going on. I understand, Brother Joe, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But here's the cool thing. We know who holds tomorrow. 
We understand who has tomorrow in his hand. We understand we put our faith and we put our trust in an almighty God, and therefore we rest in that. And so we have to allow our faith to arise. We have to allow our faith to arise. I'm going to be preaching to you in a few weeks. Uh, a little bit of sermon I preached last night over at, over at New Mount Olive uh, Missionary Baptist Church. I was over there in revival with them, and, and they had me get up. And actually, I didn't preach. They called it a lecture. I don't know exactly what a lecture is, but I ended up just preaching to them about 15 minutes. But I had this thought about this, about this uh, uh, when, when Jesus stopped by the, uh, the Samaria, and this, this woman met him at the well. You know the story, the Samaritan woman. You know, you, we all know the story. I never saw this before. I read it, but I never saw this before that there was a part of that scripture, Brother Adam, that, that after Jesus told her everything that she knew, you got five, you had five husbands, one you're living with, he ain't even your husband. I mean, there's things going on in your life right now that I know. And if you, and if you would have known who it was that asked you to give me a drink, then you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. At that moment, the Bible said she left her water pot at the well, and run on back into town. Now, there's really, it's a minor little sentence right there, but it's huge significant because in that day, the water pot was a valuable thing. It was, it was a life-sustaining thing. It was a valuable piece of pottery. It was a valuable piece of, uh, of a tool that, that they used to, to get water for drinking and water for cooking and, and water for, for washing, and they went to this place called Jacob's Well. Another significant thing is in that day, Jacob's well was the place that everybody went to to gossip. Jacob's well was the place that everybody went to to find out information. Jacob's well was a place to catch up on, hey man, how's things going with you today? Is everything going okay? It was a, it was a dialogue place. It was a place that you could go to and you could talk about issues, current issues that was, and here this woman went and she was going to get water because she was thirsty, brother Joe, and she met a man. I told her everything. And she left her water pot and run on back into town. And she said, hey, guys, you, I don't know who this guy is, but you got to come see this man I met. He told me everything that I know. In other words, he changed her life. What she went there for, she forgot. The purpose that she was going for, she forgot about because somebody changed her life. And she's, she got it settled in her mind. And a great revival broke out in that place. Again, Samaria was a place, and I'm, I'm going to end up preaching my message to you tonight. Samaria was a place that nobody wanted to go to because they were half-breed folk. These were the trash of the trash. You know what I'm talking about? Of that day. Of that day. And, and, and I'm going to give you a little, little background history on Samaria, but, but these were the people that you didn't want to hang around. The Jews didn't like them. Samaritans didn't like the Jews. And we, and we had this conflict going on, but Jesus went out of his way that day and stopped by a well, and met a lady. She settled it in her mind. She, she had it settled and she forgot. Daniel had it settled in his mind. He had it settled in his mind. And these, these three guys was thrown into the, into the fiery furnace. Three guys. And the king said, hey, did we not throw three guys in? Sure, king, yeah, you, we saw it because the guys that even threw them in, they died because the fire was, was hotter. We, we had to pull their bodies back. But he said, I look into there and I, I see four guys. And this fourth man looks like the Son of God. Now that's an interesting statement to me right there for, for the king of Nebuchadnezzar. 
it sort of lets me know, Dad, that he had to have a knowledge of this God of, of Jehovah. He had to have some kind of understanding and, and whether he was reading some old scrolls or he studied that growing up. I don't, understand, I don't know all about that, but he had to have a knowledge of that, I would think, to even make that statement. But he looked in and he saw the fourth man and he said, this one looks like the Son of God. It sort of makes me wonder if by chance in his life, if God didn't show himself to Nebuchadnezzar and change his thought a little bit, give him a little perspective and think about some things. It, it sort of would, 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 would cause me to wonder if, if Nebuchadnezzar had, had some kind of encounter with God himself. I don't know that. Bible's unclear about that. We can find that out when we get to heaven. It'd be an interesting conversation. But it would sort of cause you to wonder about that. And the next thing, Brother Earl, that it would cause me to know, are we, as God's people, are, are we having an encounter with God? I mean, do we really know who God is? If God would speak to us tonight, would we know His voice? Would we listen to Him? Would we know if God woke us up in the middle of the night, maybe spoke to us through a dream, or maybe in our mind, or whatever the case may be, would we know, as God's people, who God is. It's a familiar story. It's a Sunday school kind of story that you teach little kids growing up. I learned it as a child growing up in Sunday school in South Mississippi. I, we, we learned about Daniel and the lion's den. We learned about the three Hebrew children. We, we learned about Noah. We learned about all those, what we'd call those biblical children's stories. But really, when you look at these things, they have huge implications for our lives and how we need to live and look at things. Heroes. So then how, how does this apply to our life today? And what was it about these guys that allowed them to have these, what we would call earlier, an excellent adventure? The Bible says that the people who know God, Daniel eleven thirty two 32, will, will do great exploits, will be strong. They'll do great exploits. They'll have great adventures, so to speak. And, and Daniel here and his three friends, they, they're, they're a living example for us. Matter of fact, when you look in Daniel chapter 1, I read these, these first seven, seven verses to you, or, or, or most of these about, about to how, how, how the, how the Daniel and the three Hebrew children got, got into, into Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. We understood and we learned a little bit about that. And so these, 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 these four young men were, were strangers, if you will, in a, in a foreign land. And, and they were being indoctrinated, if you will. They, they were being indoctrinated in this secular uh, university and it forced to learn ways of thinking. And matter of fact, the Bible was specific when it said they took three years, right? Took three years of training these guys so that they could serve the king. Three years of service before they served the king. And so they, they were, they were in rigorous training of the, of the language and the thinking and the thought process and, and all of these things. And this, this world system, in other words, was trying to squeeze them into that world's mold. First thing they did, they changed their names. You know the story, Hebrew names. Daniel means God is judge. Hananiah means God is gracious. Azariah means God is my help. Mishael is who is like God. But now they were given Babylonian names. Belteshazzar, which means Bel will protect. Daniel's name. 
For, for Hananiah, Shadrach was given a name, which means inspired of a coup, or who this moon deity, that Baal of the worship of Baal, this moon deity, that was his name. Azariah, who, who meant God is my help, was now changed to Abednego, or who, who meant the servant of Nebo, or Venus. Mishael, who is, who is like God, was given a name Meshach, it, which means who is like a coup. In verse 8 and 9, I read to you earlier, but I want to read it one more time. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. In other words, change my name all you want to, but you ain't going to change my heart. Change my thought process all you want to, but I understand who I'm serving. I may live in your kingdom, but I'm still serving God Jehovah. You may make me eat this, or you may make me eat that, or you may make me listen to your language and learn your language and, and serve the king and all of those kind of things, but I'm still, I still know in whom I'm serving. I get up every morning and pray. Every day at noon, I pray. Every afternoon and night, I pray to God, the one that whom I serve. Daniel's purpose, he understood the fact that he had a high calling. Now, now listen to me, church, and I know this is Wednesday night. I'm sort of trying to teach and, and help us a little bit, but you need to understand something. I, don't, I, I think sometimes we take for granted or we don't even think about it. The Bible speaks a lot about God calling us, right? And the Bible also says that His calling is without what? Repentance. His calling is without repentance. I mean, one day He looked down and He saw Marilyn. Marilyn wasn't always saved. She can tell you that. Marilyn wasn't always living for the Lord. But there come a point in time that God looked down through time and said, hey, there's a woman there that I need to die for. And I'm going to save her soul. She's going to come to me. And he called her. And she answered the call. There was a moment that Sister Toby and Sister Jeanette and, and Sister uh, Laura Get this name out right. That God looked down through time and He called them. And they answered the call. There was a moment that Dad and Paul and Matt and, and I could go on and on that you may not always been living for the Lord, but the Lord knew the outcome. He understood what the outcome was going to be. His calling is without repentance. And He called you. Daniel purposed in his heart because he understood his call. He understood he had a high calling. And what I was getting at, there are moments that I wonder if you and I, as God's people, and as God's called people, if we really understand the high calling that we possess. Because it is a high calling. It is a high calling. I mean, you're serving God Almighty. You're serving the creator of the universe. You're serving the God that understands everything about you more than you even know yourself. You're serving the God that knows every hair upon your head. He understands how all the mechanisms work. Why? Because He is our Creator. He's our Creator. But we sometimes walk through this world and we walk through this life and we act like we don't have this high calling. Now let me get a little preachy with you tonight, that's all right? Because we have a poor pitiful me attitude. Because we whine sometimes about how things is going. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, you say, well, pastor, you just got through saying that we all have good days and bad days. Yeah, I did. I get it. I understand that. 
But Brother Adam, even though I'm having a bad day, I ought to still be able to act like that God can deliver me with this thing. I, I should be able to still act like Brother Joe, that I've got joy in my heart and put a smile on my face and quit walking around and acting like poor pitiful me, the devil is stomping all over me and I just can't get out of this thing. Anybody else believe that? <laughs> but that's the world that we live in. And that's the culture sometimes that if, we, if we're not careful, we allow to come over on us and possess us at times, right? I've always believed, and I still believe this, that your Christian walk, and you may disagree with me, and that's okay. This is, this is the, for the majority, and, 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 and I hope I'm wrong here, but for the majority of us, our Christian walk is like this. Right? Up and down. But how many would agree with me that I, I really believe that our Christian walk can be consistent? There may be moments of, of high. You know, I, I get that. But I, I believe, Toby, that we, we can walk and have a consistent relationship with the Lord. How do I know that? Well, if I can have a consistent relationship on earth, why can't, I, why can't I have a consistent relationship with my God in heaven? What are you talking about, Pastor? Karen, my, Karen's my wife. If, if, if I'm not having a consistent relationship with her, if my relationship with her is like this all the time, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know about her, but I, I'm going to be miserable. She needs to straighten up if it's going to be like that. Because it ain't me that's messing up, for sure. I'm up here. She's the one down here. Has to be. I'm just kidding. But our relationship, it can be a consistent relationship. It can be. And it grows. And I, and I believe that even in our, and I, you've heard me say this before, in our, in our, we've been married 33 years. And Brother Joe, I honestly feel like our, our marriage just keep, it keeps climbing. It gets better and better. I, that's the way I feel. Well, if that's the case, then I just have to believe, Sister Pat, that my relationship with God can not only be consistent, but it should grow as we grow together with him, right? Right. We grow. So Daniel purposed in his heart. He had a high calling. He understood he had a destiny of God. The purity side of Daniel is he, he understood by the Joe he was not going to defile himself. What going to do it? He, he, he purposed in his mind, I'm not going to defile myself. In other words, I am not going to compromise. Now, there's a huge word right there, but I will tell you, this culture that we live in today, there's a lot of uncompromising things going on today. But we have to figure, we have to, we have to figure out in our, in our walk with God, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to compromise our relationship with Christ. I'm not going to comp compromise my walk with the Lord. I'm not going to compromise who, who He is and what He means to me. I can't, I can't come to church on Sunday and act one way and get out in the world Monday through Friday with my peers and, and, and say bad words and tell dirty jokes and act like, act like a fool. And then come back on church and raise my hand and say, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. It don't work that way. I'm sorry, it just don't work that way. I'm not going to compromise my walk with the Father. Amen. Amen. Now, let me, let me just, let me throw something at you. Let me ask you, let me ask you some, some questions here. Are you embarrassed when you get in a restaurant and you sit down to eat and you bow your head to pray? Does that embarrass you? You don't have to answer me, but I just, I'm just throwing some stuff at you. Does it embarrass you? 
Does it embarrass you that when you're in a group of people and you hear all kinds of words that's going on, that you still can call upon the name of Jesus? You know, does it embarrass you when those situations take place? Does it embarrass you when somebody asks you or tells you something that you know you shouldn't listen to, but they, they may not understand that, they may not know who you are yet, but does it embarrass you to say, hey, brother, let me, let me let's tell you something. I understand what you're trying to do, but I, I, don't, I don't walk like that way. I don't appreciate the, the, the joke that you told me, and you know, I'm, not, I'm not upset, just don't tell it to me no more. You know? Because these are issues that we all face. We all do. These are issues that we face all of the time. We face them all of the time. It's interesting to me as a, as a, as a pastor, a lot of times outside the circles of, of church and, and pastor, and a, lot of, a lot of times people say, oh, you're a preacher. Not a pastor, you're a preacher. And so if they know you're a preacher, and, and I've been in situations and, and uh, groups and conversations before where, where maybe Matt knows that I'm a preacher or a pastor, but maybe Adam and, and, uh, and Brother Joe and Sharon, they may not know, or they may let out a word, or, or they may say something else, and Matt said, hey, guys, uh-uh, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. It was funny that this, this past week I had a couple in my office and, uh, and we were talking about some things and the guy made it, he had a little, little, he said a little word. It wasn't a bad word, but it just wasn't an appropriate kind of word. And the girl, she knew who I was. He didn't know who I was. She knew who I was. She said, I can't believe you said that. The preacher's sitting right there. I can't believe that you said that. And so it was embarrassing to her. Now it didn't bother me. In, in that, as much as it bothered her, it didn't bother me, but, but the, but what I want you to understand is that we, that's the culture that we live in. And so are we able to still stand in our faith? Daniel said, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to defile myself. In other words, Daniel had favor with God. Daniel said in verse number 10, the chief of the eunuch said to Daniel, I, I fear, I fear if you don't eat what the king sets before you, Man, the king's going to look at me and he's going to, he don't understand, I'm not doing my job. And so you've got to eat with the king's delicacies. You, you've got to eat the king's meat. You, you've got to drink the wine. You, 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 you've got you've to eat what's set before you. Dan said, hey, no, no biggie, no, no problem. I understand, you know, you have, a, you have a job to do. You've got a responsibility. But let me just ask you, let's, let's take 10 days here. Just give us vegetables and all those kind of things. And, and then come back after 10 days and just examine, examine uh, our face and, and how we look and all of those kind of things. You know the story. I read it to you earlier. They did that. He come back after 10 days and they looked better than the other guys that was eating the king's delicacies. Their face was fatter. It looked be- brighter. It had a good color to it. All of those kind of things. He said, I guess you know what you're talking about. Just go ahead and, and do it then. And he took away the king's delicacies for Daniel. And, uh, and, and the Bible says in verse, in verse 17 that God... When, when they'd done this, that God gave them knowledge. The Bible says that God gave them skill in all literature. It gave them skill in all of the wisdom of that day. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and all dreams. Now think about that. In other words, Daniel was, was getting ready to be promoted. Actually, God did promote him. He didn't defile himself. He stayed true to the call. He didn't compromise his faith. Brother Allen, he walked the walk. He talked the talk. I read a little story that you'll hear again, but I'll go ahead and share it with you tonight because it it fits here tonight about this young couple that, that got married. And they were on their honeymoon. 
And as they were traveling on their honeymoon, a deer ran out in front of them, and the guy swerved, and he hit a telephone pole. Totaled the car out, and they was out on this, this, this road away from everything. Hit a telephone pole, and the guy was okay, but his, his wife was just bleeding profusely. Just, he knew that something had to be done or she was going to die. She was just bleeding so bad. And so he went around the car and got her out, and he happened to look up, and there was a sign that says, Dr. Rufus Jones, Internal Medicine. And he goes down the road to this house, this little driveway, and he goes down the uh, house and he knocks on the door. And this older man come to the door and he said, yeah, can I help you? He said, are you Dr. Jones? He said, yes, I am. He said, look, I've had an accident. My wife is bleeding. As you can see, I need you to heal her. I need you to help her. And the guy, and the, and the guy says, you know, I am, I am uh, Dr. Jones, but I'm sorry, I can't help you. I quit practicing medicine several years ago. I have no, I have no supplies. I have no, nothing to help this, this lady with. And, and the young man, he was just devastated. And this is the statement the young man made. And this is what I want to leave with you tonight. He said, doctor, if you can't help her, then take the sign down. So what does that mean, pastor? We are called men and women of God. If we ain't living up to our calling, then get the sign off. Take it down. I know that's tough and hard for us, but seriously. If I've got somebody in Maryland coming to my office and they need spiritual help, and if I can't help them, then what am I here for? What am I doing? I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting your time. If I can't pray a prayer of faith with them, if you can't pray a prayer of faith with them, if you've got somebody that knows who you are as a, as, a, as a man or a woman of God, Brother Chuck, and they come to me and say, look, I know you trust God and I know you have faith. Would you believe with me? And if I look at this, I, you know, I stopped doing that a few years ago. Don't have any supplies. I, I quit going to church a few years ago. Then why do we still have the sign hung around our neck? If we're not going to be able to help in this day, especially this day that we're living in. Daniel had a purpose in his heart. These three Hebrew children had purposed in their life and they stood up before a king of that day, which a lot of people didn't do. They were bold. They knew what the outcome was. They understood how all this thing worked. They'd been, they'd been, they'd been doing this thing for three years. They'd been training. They'd been in training. They understood. They'd been trained. They'd been taught. People told them what was, what was fixing to take place. They, didn't, they, they understood all of that, but they still stood up and said, King... We ain't got no need to talk to you about this subject. We got no business really just explaining anymore because we're not serving your God. We serve God Jehovah. And I understand what you said. I understand the decree that you made. I understand that you said if we don't bow, you're going to throw us in the flame. And you might as well just go ahead and throw us in there because we're not going to compromise our faith with you. We're not going to compromise our walk with who the God that we serve. We're not going to compromise that. We've saw that happen before in closing. We've saw that happen even in our lifetime where a lot of the school shootings today where there's young men and young women with a gun pointing at them saying, will you denounce Christ? You've heard the story just like I have. I remember one young lady that says, no, I'll not denounce him. And she went to meet Jesus. That's tough. That's hard. What would you do? What would you do? Now, I pray to God, we're never in that situation. But really, what, what would we do in that situation? Oh, Brother Danny, I know what I do, do you? Tell me, really? Until you've got a gun pointing at you, ready to somebody to pull the trigger, what, what are we going to do? And I would hope 
that we could still serve Christ. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. Our hero for tonight is Daniel, the three Hebrew children. They were heroes of the faith. They showed us something, Brother Adam, of how we could stand against all odds, how we could stand in the, even in the face of the enemy, even in the face of, of compromising, that I'm not going to bow, I'm not going to bow, I'm not going to bow. I'm still going to serve God Jehovah. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We're so thankful for your many blessings tonight. We thank you, God, for your touch upon our life. We thank you for leaving these examples for us in your word, God, that we can look at, that we can uh, hopefully uh, mentor, uh, that they could become our mentors in the faith, and that we could, we could listen to things that they say, we could watch the things that they do, and we can somehow learn to, and, and, and allow our faith to grow somewhat, allow our faith to become strong in you. Uh, Father, I thank you for Daniel. I thank you for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the, and the strength and the boldness that they have. But God, I pray that as I read these scriptures and let, let, let these scriptures apply to my life and to our life tonight, that even in the face of adversity, even in the face of, uh, of compromising situations and uncompromising, God, help us to stand firm in what we know. Help us, O oh Lord, to stand firm in our walk with you. And we'll give you thanks and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen and amen.